Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 241. Today, we're continuing our conversation on impact standards, specifically those digital learning standards, the ISTE standards for students, for teachers, for educational leaders, and yeah, the ISTE standards for coaches. I have a fantastic guest on the show today. Not only is she a great speaker and a presenter, but she's also an ISTE certified educator. We're going to be talking a lot about what it takes to get into the ISTE certified educator program, doing your portfolio, but a whole mess of stuff on how coaches can support standards-based learning in the classrooms if you have any topics that you'd like to see on the show and if you'd like to be a guest please feel free to head on over to askthetechcoach.com you can reach out to us on twitter at askthetechcoach and you can do what almost 1500 coaches have already done you can join our free instructional coaches program uh we've got a great uh group over on facebook that is very active we've got one on linkedin one on k12leaders.com head on over to askthetechcoach.com and check out all the great blogs, resources today. And if this is the first time you're checking out Ask the Tech Coach, welcome. I'm glad you're here. My name is Jeff Bradbury. I'm a brand new director of digital learning. It's still nice to say that title. I'm excited getting used to the new position, having a great time. And I am so glad that you guys are here today. This is a podcast for instructional coaches. And our mission here is to help you create a dynamic coaching program that is rooted in standards-based instruction that is here for you each and every week and again designed to help you guys with your students so thank you guys very much for being here and supporting the teacher cast educational network for almost 12 years my guest today is a fantastic educator and author an amazing and dynamic presenter and she's also an ISTE certified educator. I want to bring onto the show my good friend, Rochelle Denae Poeth. Rochelle, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. Hey, Jeff. I am great. And thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here with you. It is so nice to have you here. You know, you and I have been catching up a lot since last year's ISTE. What's going on with Rochelle? What are you up to these days? All the things, uh, just like everybody else, you know, keeping busy with school and trying to find ways to keep learning and doing some writing and back to conferences. And I don't know, just keeping, I don't know, all the hours occupied in my day as much as I can, because sleep is apparently overrated. I think it, it certainly is. And now that we're looking at things, we're recording this, of course, you know, the first week of April, we're looking forward to it. The emails are already starting to clog in. It is ISTE season. Are you excited about the ISTE conference this year in Philadelphia? I am always excited about the ISTE conference. Uh, I, I can't believe that it's that time again because it feels like I was just there, but I think that's because FETC was in New Orleans this year. So it made it feel like, wait a minute, I was just there, but it was totally a different conference, but it's coming up quick and I'm involved in some planning for some different events. And before you know it, we're going to be in Philly. So 
Time flies. Time does fly. You know, it seems like only a few weeks ago I was sitting in my classes for my ISTE certified educator program, and uh, and you happen to be an ISTE certified educator. Um, today we're talking all about those standards specifically the ISTE standards for coaches, for students, for building leaders. But I, I do want to ask you a couple of things here because the ISTE certified educator program is really all about how do you take those ISTE standards for educators and put them in front of the classroom? How do you use all that great stuff that ISTE provides for us and use that to help mold educators and more importantly, mold our students? Talk to us a little bit about what the ISTE educator program is and maybe how has that helped shape your profession since you became an ISTE certified educator? Well, it has definitely made a big impact on me from taking the initial course where you're in person and we have the cohort and that's been a couple of years ago for me now to working through the other components of that program and then thinking I had all the time in the world to put my portfolio together. Uh, but in my mind thinking, yeah, I have some examples of things, of artifacts I can put into this and it, it shouldn't be too you know, time consuming or too tough to think about examples for this, but going through it, it was such a beneficial process because it really made me look at some of the things I had done in my classroom. And there were some things I thought like, yeah, that was like the best idea I ever had. But then going back through and looking at it through the lens of the standards and what was my you know, purpose for bringing technology in or what were the methods that I use, it in the end wasn't the best as, as I had thought originally, mm -hmm. but it also gave me some insight into how I could improve upon that. So the whole process from beginning to the end, I mean, it's so supportive. It has always been from the time I became a member, I, I didn't even know what ISTE was until I started to get my master's degree and we had to join an organization. So that's when I learned about it uh, back in 2014, I think. So my first ISTE conference experience was actually at Philly. So heading back there again is exciting. But from that point until now, just the continued involvement, um, how supportive and welcoming the community is, the types of resources that are available, not just like tangible resources, I'm talking like the people, the way that you can network, and build your skills, it's not only impactful for you uh, personally and professionally, but just what you can bring back to your students or the teachers and, and educators that you're working with in your school. It has made a big difference uh, in the way that I look at things. Definitely want to echo that. The ISTE Certified Educator Program has been extremely helpful for me in the way that I'm approaching things. Uh, many people who have been listening to the show know I've recently started a new position as the Director of Digital Learning, which is, you know, honestly, one of the reasons why some of these shows have been a little bit uh, untimely coming out. But, you know, really, and you mentioned it a little bit, too. It's the network. It's the making those connections. And today we're going to talk all about how we can help our own teachers make those connections between the curriculum standards and our digital learning standards. Rochelle, today we're going to talk about a few different standards and frameworks. And while we're on this subject, let's talk a little bit about the ISTE standards, right? There's four of them, really, that are the main ones. There's five or six, I think. But, you know, ISTE standards for educators, for students, building leaders, and coaches. Talk to us a little bit about these, because when we're looking at this, I've got a lot of questions as should we be discussing these standards with teachers? Should we be discussing these standards with administrators? Should we be printing out the poster and putting these up on our wall? When you're creating lesson plans as a teacher or when you're putting together ISTE style presentations, where do you see these different standards fitting into your practice? 
Well, first, I, I have to laugh because when you say about should we have the posters, print, like I do have <laughs> the standards, the poster in my classroom on my wall. And over the years in, in conference sessions that I've done or just when I've spoken to people, I talk about how as a, you know, I'm a Spanish and a STEAM teacher, but as a language educator, I, I realize that not all of my students are going to go on to become Spanish majors or teachers, even though I, I very much encourage them to consider that because we definitely need them. But the reality is that I need to prepare my students for the future. And however I can do that in my classroom beyond teaching the content is what I want to do. So when I learned about the standards, I started to look at my class, not just in you know my applicable language standards, but also looking at the ISTE standards and thinking about what are the areas that I can, you know, can work on with my students in my classroom that can help them in some of those key standard areas. So for example, you know, one thing for my students is over the years, I thought I was giving them a lot of choice and voice in the classroom. But after going through the process to become ISTE certified and just over the years, you know, reflecting on what I was doing, I realized like I really wasn't. I mean, I was to a, a minimal extent, but I could have been doing more. And so when we look at the standards, like just one example, you know, you want students to like build their skills and to be flexible in learning so that whatever comes in the future, they can adapt to and they have the right skill sets uh, to adjust as needed. And so giving them opportunities where they can, you know, of course, communicate, collaborate, but empowering them and giving them choices and having a voice in the classroom where they can not only just kind of sit and get, but they can take the lead, they can create, they can be the innovators. Um, and I think that for teachers, Besides the content area standards that we're focused on, we know that we are preparing students for the future. And so part of that comes in being able to navigate in like a highly digital world and using technology and be responsible. I mean, I could talk about it for like three hours. We're going to minimize it, but you know, it's something, it can be kind of scary. I think for teachers who might say, well, you know, I'm an elementary school teacher, or they put the word, I'm just this kind of a teacher. Mm. I don't see the relevance. And when you take, even just picking one of the standards, like you don't have to do all the things, but choose one standard, one area of focus, and then look at your classroom through that lens and think about what are some ways, some methods, of course, and then what are some tools that you can use, whether or not they're the technology. I mean, technology is great, but without a purpose, like what's the point? So what can you adjust in your classroom that it's building the content area skills, but it's also helping students to build the skills they need for now and in the future. Let's break this down a little bit. Now, <laughs> I want to focus in here on the ISTE educator standards. And, you know, basically when you're looking at the website, they break it down 2.1 to 2.7. I'd like to do this into th to three different parts. If I do one, two, and three, you've got learner, leader, and citizen. I kind of think those things go together, right? Why is right. it important that as a coach, we are supporting our teachers to be learners, leaders, and citizens? Oh, is that rhetorical or are you asking me? <laughs> Let's Sorry. go with, no, with both. But but, but but I mean, we want to be able to walk into a classroom and help our teachers be learners. In order to do right. that, we kind of have to have that mentor hat. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you want... Teachers, you want teachers to be familiar with and experience things that they can then create for their own students. And you want them to be learners because like we promote lifelong learning and then we want students to develop leadership skills. And so 
giving teachers an opportunity to rise and to you know seek out opportunities where they can lead each other in the classroom and out in also out of the classroom, but also to transfer that over to their students and for teachers to realize like I don't have to be the only person who's teaching in the classroom like. I thought for years, it's just me. I'm the only one that can teach. But then you step aside and you give, whether it's the students in your classroom or if you're a tech coach, it's helping the teachers you're working with develop those skills. And then, of course, citizen, when we have all of these different things available to us now to interact in this, you know, like I said before, highly digital world, we have to understand what the responsibilities are to know how we can participate, communicate, and do all of those things, not only in education, but in everyday life. And so those, those three that you chose to focus on first are essential for us as educators, but to model those and to help our students to develop those skills in those areas too. I, I often talk on the show here about the differences between weekday and weekend professional development. And sometimes I talk about that when it comes to planning a PD session on a Monday afternoon for your faculty who has to be there versus, you know, going to an ed camp session when people want to be there. But when we're focusing on that citizen, right? Do you go in on a Monday afternoon PD and start to talk about your ed camp experiences and your ISTE friends and your Twitter, you know, hashtags and stuff like how do you support dynamic PD yet, you know, you're talking to a group of staff members who have to be there and they're looking at their clock and they're only there because of a contract, right? That's right. different than your ISTE crowd. Yeah, it, it is tough. And that's the a big question a lot of people ask is like, when is the right time? You know, is it the middle of the week? Is it is it a Monday? Is everybody going to be as enthusiastic as you? Do they have a choice in it? And I think that when you can share authentic experiences that you've had, and even, I mean, in my case, a couple of times we had uh, PD sessions and I had some of my students speak to the teachers and to hear from them about the impact that some of these different methods or digital tools had on their learning experience made a difference. But I, I also think that you want to make it just like you would in your classroom, you know, think about how your classroom would look and, and would your students enjoy the experience if you were just sitting the whole time talking at them? I know for many years, my students experienced that because that's what I thought that I had to do. But if you give them like, one idea that you learned or two ideas or a couple of ideas and say, you know what, pick one of these things to explore, find a partner, mix it up. And it's more active rather than just sitting and listening uh, or it's something they connect with and they have that choice. And I think that's when it makes a difference. Let's move on and talk a little bit about, I, I'm trying to come up with a term here, pedagogy standards, more practical standards, but you've got 2.4 collaborator, 2.5 designer, and then 2.6 facilitator. I look at these and these are more, how do you create? How do you team up with? How do you put together a lesson? Things that you need in order to be a dynamic educator in that classroom. How do you approach these well, uh, you have to be willing to get out of your own space and not be isolated. Like that, that is advice I wish I had years ago because I felt like I had to figure out everything on my own. And so, but finding the time to do that is difficult in the normal school day, which is why thankfully we have other ways to connect. And it doesn't have to be that it's just the colleagues in our school. Cause I know and others might resonate with this or might resonate with others, I should say too. It's like, you might teach in a very small school and you're lucky if you see the person down the hall, like mm. 
you know, once every three days, like, wow, like I didn't realize that you were still here. And so finding that time is difficult, but you still have to work in ways where you can collaborate so that you can share ideas and design some different activities. And then for me as a classroom teacher and kind of like a coach, because we don't have a tech coach in my district. So people do often come to me and ask for ideas. And sometimes I just send an email, although I do make it very short and sweet and to the point because I know time is a factor. And it's, it's pulling all those things together and realizing that it doesn't just have to be one tech coach or you don't have to do exactly the same thing as everybody else. And it's okay to ask the students for their help too, so that you shift from being like the only person talking in the classroom and having to make the decisions that you're kind of co-learning and collaborating with students, also with your colleagues, of course, and then that you kind of step back a little bit and you're facilitating it. Maybe it's your own ideas, maybe it's ideas from colleagues, or maybe it's just things that your students came up with. You tried together and whether or not they go well, it doesn't matter. The point is that you're out there and you're kind of stretching yourselves and trying something different. One of the things that I think is important for educators is that reflection. And just to kind of wrap up the ISTE standards for educators here, 2.7 is, is, is analyst, right? And I, and I look at this as a coach's reflection. I look at this as using data to make you know, data-driven choices. I look at this as having those tough conversations with yourself and with others to say, what can I do to, do, to, to improve? What can I do to help my students improve? I'm really curious as a presenter, as an educator, um, what role does data come in when you're planning, when you're preparing, when you're having conversations, when you are doing those coaching uh, opportunities, where does data, where does reflection, where does analyzing where you are, where you're going come into your uh, profession? Well, it's super important. I will say that. And in reflection is not something that I always intentionally did. I mean, I might've thought about some of the ways that I did some activities in my classroom or, you know, tools that we use, but I, it wasn't a regular part of my day. And then over the years, I've learned how important that is, especially when we look at like social emotional learning and becoming, you know, you're developing your self-awareness and knowing where you are. But for our students or whoever, if you're a tech coach, you're working with teachers, you want to understand what impact you're having on your learners, whoever those learners may be. And for me, if I'm working with a group of teachers, whether it's in a conference session, you know, I'll use like a Google form and I'll get some ideas and some feedback from them. Like, what are you, what are you using in your classroom, for example, for artificial intelligence? You know, where would you rate yourself on your skill set? Like one, I'm just starting to five uh, and some other things. And then I use that in some of the questions that they pose, like, I use that to help myself figure out what I need to learn and how I need to kind of get myself out there and gather more information for the next presentation. But also I use that in real time right then and there to drive that presentation I'm doing or to use it in my classroom as a teacher. So it is essential to have that, whether or not you have it quick through tech and you have the access to the results right then and there, or it's something more traditional and you have to review papers or something over time, but that's the way you figure out where you are, where you need to go and figure out some steps to get you there. You know, one of the things that I noticed when analyzing both the educator standards, the student standards, the, the leadership standards, and, and more importantly for our conversation purposes, the coaching standards, there is a lot of overlap. I mean, ISTE has done a really nice job at putting these together, mapping them out, but there are some differences here. I'm curious on your opinion on this one here. If you're looking at the coaching standards, the first one, 4.1, is 
change agent. And that's something that we talk a lot about here. How do you use your knowledge of digital tools, digital citizenship, digital, all of that stuff to really affect change, right? Affect change in the classroom, being a mentor to teachers, being a guide to teachers, but also change in the main office as a member of those leadership teams, as a, you know, as the representative of the educator voice when you're meeting with administrators. How can an instructional coach be successful in their profession as a change agent? Well, I think it starts with, I mean, understanding who you're working with, developing the relationships, um, starting a discussion and being open to different ideas and perspectives and pushback and all of that and making yourself available for when people have challenges um, or different ideas and involving as many people in the conversation, in the planning as you can, because, you know, a tech coach, whether or not you are specifically like identified and employed as a tech coach, or if you have by default become a tech coach because of your experience, like you want to involve everybody in whatever the learning is that's happening, but you don't want it to be that it's like, okay, you have to do this because I said you have to do this, or these are my reasons. You want everybody to feel valued in that process and understand what the benefits are because we are, I mean, it might sound cliche, but we are all in this together. And so when you have that kind of shared vision for what technology use in your classroom and in your schools would look like, and you have this supportive space that you create that teachers, administrators, whoever, all the people in the community know that they can access you and work with you and find the support, like that is really important. Um, and also one other thing that I'll add to whether or not this falls in line with, you know, the change agent thing is, you know, even if you are the, the tech coach, like you still need to learn as well. And so making sure that you are taking opportunities to get feedback from the people that you're working with so that, you know, not everybody's perfect. Nobody's an expert. We're always learning. And so continuing to build your own skills as well and seeing where you can add new, I don't know, new ideas, new tools, whatever educators need into what you're already doing to kind of continue to make changes as they need to happen. I, I'm glad that you mentioned that. You know, one of the things that I, I like to do in my profession, both as a coach and now as a digital leader, is try to figure out where you can push the envelope. I mean, not every professional development session has to do with person in front with a whiteboard projector screen on a stage, right? How do you affect change from just the little conversations, right? I mean, standard 4.5 here says professional learning facilitator. That could be you working in the main office with one of your uh, you know, executive assistants, showing them how to do bookmarks, showing them how to organize email. I mean, that is a professional learning session just as much as getting up in front of 50 teachers on a Monday and running a PD day. Right. And, you know, the other thing, too, about that is the word facilitator, it doesn't mean that it's just, just you, like right. you are facilitating it. And I, I think for, and I, I've said this to other uh, schools that I've spoken with where they don't have a tech coach. And I had written a blog about a couple of years ago about leveraging your teacher talent. And when you have teachers in your school that may be kind of hesitant to use tech, cause you know, we, we have like both ends, you got the early adopters and you have the, the educators that are like, I don't know about this and everybody in between. And you don't have to do this alone. So if you are the tech coach and maybe you're the only tech coach that's in a gigantic school district, then you want to facilitate it more because you want to pull in other people and use their strengths to help to support everybody else. And 
being open to being a constant learner too is essential, like I said before. So facilitating, not feeling like you're the one, because you're not going to always know the answers to every question. Like, it's just, I don't think that that's going to happen. Like, I wish, <laughs> but no. I, I want to round out this conversation here on on standards by hitting the last one in the coaching uh, column, which is 4.7, digital citizen advocate. This is a conversation that we've had a lot on the show. This is a conversation I see popping up a lot in, in Facebooks where people are trying to figure out how do you bring digital learning standards into traditional classrooms? It shouldn't be well, I don't have a library media specialist. I guess the kids aren't going to learn technology. Like, how can we bring digital citizenship skills, bring this conversation into that math classroom, science classroom, English classroom? How can coaches be digital citizenship advocates in anywhere that has four walls and a chalkboard? You just need one idea. I mean, one one thing, right? So if it's a math classroom and students are solving problems, of course they can go up to the board and share them, or maybe they have on their devices and it posted on a Padlet or something. Like there are lots of ways that you can add tech in very simply uh, that don't take a ton of time, or it's it's extending it beyond the classroom space and saying, okay, here's here's a problem that you're going to go home and solve, and I want you to record how did you solve this problem. I mean. I am stretching it a little bit here because I am not a math teacher, but it doesn't have to be some massive platform. It can be a very simple thing that you just add on one slight thing to extend that learning beyond that space, beyond those four walls, like you say, and just give students and teachers an opportunity to you know, post and build those skills in different ways. And anybody can do it. It doesn't matter what grade level or content area you teach. Great. Let's change the subject. I am now a student in your Spanish class. Give me an, an example of how you could or maybe how you have brought in some kind of a digital citizenship or digital learning standard. Well, I know, perfect example, a couple of years ago, the first time we had used uh, Nearpod, the, one of the responses where it's just like the space and students could write or conjugate verbs or you could do anything. And I don't always have my board where you can actually see the responses in live time, but I had it on and I, the students, I had not given them the instructions like, well, did you know that when you're writing on your device, like it's going to automatically be visible to me or to anybody else that can see that board. So it was a good lesson to be learned that just because students have devices, they don't necessarily know exactly how to use them or that even if it's just on their device that like it can't be seen somewhere else. So fortunately, I saw the start of what could have been something, <laughs> not that you want it displayed on the board. So I shut it down really quickly and it was a good lesson to be learned for students. But um, another one other fun thing is having them post on a Padlet in response, but also we were connecting with a school in Argentina who had the Padlet link and they were posting on the board at the same time. And so just that wow factor, like, wait, they are located geographically where they are compared to us and we're communicating, collaborating in this virtual space and learning about each other. And we have to be responsible in what we're posting too. So lots of different ways. I love that idea. And I find that anytime I can connect my classroom to other classrooms around the world and people go, oh, this is a real thing. And oh, you know, it, it, consequences and actions 
I think that's amazing. And if you have any ideas out there of how you can bring digital citizenship skills or digital learning standards into curricular classes, we would love to hear from you guys. Don't forget, you can head on over to askthetechcoach.com. Scroll down to the bottom and join our instructional coaches networks on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on k12leaders.com. We have a lot of great conversations happening on these subjects. And Rochelle, you also are thriving on Facebook, aren't you? I am thriving on Facebook. I have my own space and then I have my thriving EDU on Facebook. So where does one go to learn about more of those amazing topics? Well, they could go to my blog site, www.rdene915.com or just search up on Facebook for the thrive in EDU community and become a member. So we've talked a little bit about what these standards are, right? And, and of course, the ISTE standards aren't the only ones. We could talk about this one for hours. You know, you've got this school leader digital learning guide, a fantastic uh, uh, PDF that you can check out. It's going to be um, uh, linked onto these show notes. This is episode, again, number 241. I also would love to do a full show on the Future Ready Schools framework. If anybody out there is uh, in the Future Ready program or if their school has gone through the Future Ready process, I would love to have you guys come on the show and talk all about it but i've got links and graphics and stuff to the show notes um again on ask the tech coach episode 241 but i, I want to kind of end today and ask some of these philosophical questions right like as a digital learning leader now i'm trying to figure out where do i fit in in the classroom right like i don't want to see um you know a, a curriculum and a digital learning thing be separate i'm trying to figure out how do you put a hug around all this how do you create one one learning experience and how do you get digital citizenship in that english class or in that spanish class or any of these things so here's a couple of things that i want to ask rochelle and i specifically wanted you on the show for these reasons how do coaches start right it's easy to say well i, I you know I'm just a coach, I'm just a this, or I'm in 17 buildings and I'm not a change agent. But how can we start to support these standards when we're having meetings, when we're having coaching assignments, when we're in these, or worse yet, when we're not in these areas? How does a coach support this when we're not actively being asked to show up to admin meetings and stuff? What do you say to those coaches out there who are listening to this episode? Well, I say that... I mean, for me, just in my non-official coaching role, when I've talked with different teachers, whether, you know, a small group, individual, or even in PD, I, I always try to find out what is something that is taking up a lot of their time or what is an area that they are kind of interested in maybe changing. And then I try to weave in one of the standards potentially. So let's say that my teacher says, you know what, I feel like I'm giving the students all of the things that they need to do. I'm telling them how to do it, what to create, exactly how it has to be. They're not presenting, they're not explaining and sharing their ideas with classmates, like what can I do? So that I might say, hey, you know what, we're going to focus on creative communicator for students, or we're going to focus on you know, empowered learner and help them see what the benefits of that are and find some ways to kind of focus on that particular standard uh, in their classroom, for example. Uh, the other thing I might do is use a survey and just understand. I mean, it's one thing if you're a tech coach and you come in to a school and you don't know the teachers, but if you are the coach and you actually know the teachers, that's different. But if you are coming into a school where you don't really already have a relationship with the, the specific teacher or group of teachers, getting to know them from the beginning, I think is essential. And so making a quick survey or picking a tool that maybe not a lot of people have heard of and using that as kind of your like, 
get to know you way to gauge like what is their knowledge? What are their interests? What are some things they're using so that you can make it more authentic, personalized and meaningful for them will definitely make a difference. I think you get, you know, we hear a lot like how do we get buy-in and I think that comes down to like knowing who you're working with and building relationships and showing that you really are genuine and authentic in the work that you do. And you want to provide for them based on what their needs are, not what you tell them that their needs are. Like you want that awareness to come across from the people that you're working with. And I love that idea. And I totally get the idea of buy-in and surveys, you know, for myself, that's where I am right now. You're kind of doing the listening tour. You're kind of asking questions, but you are the new guy or you are the new coach. You are the topic that people aren't thinking about when you're approaching this, when you're having these coaching conversations, whether they be the listening tour or now it's time for you to speak up a little bit. Should coaches be openly promoting the standards should they be coming down and sitting next to a teacher and taking out that poster should they have that poster be on the wall in their office so that way when the principal does come you can kind of you know kind of reference it a little bit so that way people notice is it is it too much if on the coach's wall in their office they have the is these standards for administrators basically right there in front of everybody how do you start to this or do you just you just happen to keep it in your head with that being your roadmap well i i think it could be a mix of all of the above honestly no i i don't think there's anything wrong with having a post like i said i have it on my wall and i explain it to i've explained to my spanish classes i also go through it with my steam students uh, and explain that to them. And so for a tech coach to do that, I don't think that's anything that would be out of the ordinary. And also for, you know, the whole big question of like the why, like what's the purpose of this? Like, what am I addressing? What is this going to be, or how is this going to be benef beneficial, I think? And having that be part of the conversation. So if you say to a teacher, okay, you know, I'm a tech coach and these are some standards that I work with and here they are and picking one of them or working together with the teacher to, like I said before, identify one area to work on. Maybe you just go in order, right? Like that's easy Just start with number one and work your way through. Or maybe there's a way that you can have the conversation. Usually when I talk with people, I can kind of get a, se a sense of an area where maybe they might want to work on and not tell them, but say, oh, well, I hear these are some of the things that you're doing. Have you ever done and then toss an idea out there. And depending on their answer, that might point in a direction of a specific standard to focus on. And then showing that visual, I don't think there's anything wrong with it because it, it shows the validity of it. Not like, well, I'm just making this up, right? This actually does exist. The standard is here and here's what it looks like. It's not easy, right? No. Like you might run into somebody who's willing. You might run into somebody who's just being nice and going, oh, okay. And then, you know, once you leave, it's their building, it's their classroom, it's their school district or whatever. How do we help course correct, right? Again, let's go back to the, I'm just a coach, right? You, you don't have a lot of pull. You're, you know, coaches are basically a volunteer or conversation, if you will. How do we help steer that ship and course correct when we realize, okay, we're moving in this great direction, but there's zero focus on digital learning standards, digital citizenship, typing, things like that. Well, uh, I think it goes back again to 
conversation and also giving some examples, whatever examples, uh, personal examples or, you know, real world examples, as they say, to what the importance of it is. And like, if you're talking about maybe talking to leaders, for example, and like, oh, here's why we should embrace the ISTE standards, explaining or sharing what are the benefits of you know, purposefully integrating technology into education. And, you know, for some, it might be like, oh, it's just another thing, or it's taking away from, you know, the content area and the other standards, but it's not meant like it's one or the other. It's together is, I think, the way that you need to help it to be seen. And it's like, okay, well, you're teaching science and your students are learning about photosynthesis, which is always my go-to for some reason. So here we have the standards for why they're learning this. Okay, what can we use or how can we use technology to help them in a different way to enhance that learning experience, to amplify it, to personalize it for them? And then now you have that connection between the, the core standard that they're focused on and also the ISTE standards you say oh well look at what the benefit of that was and if it it wasn't beneficial then why and then you try something different I think it's about as you mentioned getting that buy-in right it's not easy it it takes a you know building a relationship it takes a little bit of convincing but I think we can get there and I think any coach that's out there listening to this is listening to this for a reason right like they know that there is a value in creating a lesson whether it be in math English, Spanish, music, whatever, and making sure that there is some kind of a well-rounded both curricular and digital standard. If you were going to be presenting at ISTE this year and I gave you a room full of 100 curriculum leaders, we're talking the assistant soups, we're talking the directors of, we're talking the whatever it happens to be, and you had 15 minutes to convince them of why the ISTE standards are important, and why they should be including some kind of digital learning standards into their lesson plans. What would your pitch be? Oh my goodness. That's a, that's a great question. Honestly, I, I think my pitch would just be me talking about the difference that it has made for my students and sharing some of the student stories that I've gotten over the years about what we were doing how we use a little bit of technology and what the impact was, and then tying that together with like, this is the standard that was addressed in that case. But in a 15 minute time spirit. But in a 15 minute time spirit. And if you are <laughs> going to be going to see Rochelle at an ISTE conference coming to Philadelphia this summer, uh, I'm just curious, what are you working on for this summer? What, what kind of sessions are we looking forward to? Yeah. Um, what are you presenting? A lot of different topics as per the usual, you know, I like to do all the things. So I have some on ones on my, my book with ISTE, the Charter New Course, Teaching Essential Skills. So it covers a variety of topics. I have some SEL in there. I talk about emerging technologies, digital citizenship, a lot of things that, uh, that I've tried in my classroom are included in that one. I'm also doing a session focused on STEM and how you can bring STEM to every classroom and then some on augmented virtual reality and my artificial intelligence, which is definitely has become, aside from the SEL, but the AI has become a favorite of mine over the last couple of years. So a nice mixture of things. But the, the neat thing about all of them is that they can all intertwine. So if teachers are thinking, you know, I wish I could find a way to bring in SEL and these emerging technologies and some STEM, like you can do it. Sometimes it's just one method and one tool and that's all you need. And in doing that, you can address your content area standards and the ISTE standards. So it works out well. You know, 
now that I'm in this new position and I'm reflecting back, I have been going through the, you know, how did I get here? That little road that you've just been traveling. There's a lot of times I've been sitting at my desk with that. What do I need in order to do all of this stuff? And I picked up a book. I don't know if you've heard of this one yet. It's called Things I Wish I Knew. It is an amazing good book. And um, I believe EduMatch published it. Do you know anything about this book? It's called I, Things I Wish I Knew. I, I do. It's a, it's a book that I wish that I had read years ago because that would have changed a lot of things along my path. But Such as what? Uh, taking risks in the classroom, understanding the importance of building relationships, knowing that I didn't have to be an expert, knowing I didn't have to be in the front of the room the whole time. Uh, lots of lots of different things in that area. The importance of connecting with other educators and not being, you know, keeping myself isolated, thinking I had to be the only person finding the answers to my challenges, that it was okay to ask for help. So that and a, a bunch of other things that I wish. But yes, I am very familiar with that book. There's a lot of great books that you've written, and I want to take this moment on recording to say thank you for helping me with mine as we re, uh, finish this off. Uh, this show is obviously being recorded because it's going to be one of the chapters in the in the book that I'm working on, and I want to say thank you for your time today. Uh, where can we go to learn more about the great stuff that you're doing? Check out a session, and of course, purchase a book. Uh, you can go to my blog site, the www.rdene915.com, or on Twitter, our same thing. Just take off, take off the web URL around that. And it's my Twitter, my Instagram, uh, add Gmail at the end if you want to send me an email. But I would love to connect. She is an educator. She's an author. She's a presenter. And she is a really, really amazing, great friend and an amazing podcaster. You can check her out, of course, live on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube every single week um, with your co-host doing some pretty cool stuff. Take one last shot here. Plug the live show that you do because it's pretty awesome. Oh, my gosh. Thrive O'Clock. It's the Rochelle and Mel. And Melanie McAllister is amazing. And we have guests and have fun. And I hope people will join. And you can join our Thrive and EDU community on Facebook. But if if not, you can catch us live on the YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter, usually once a week. Did you just say the YouTube? I did. That's become my thing, the YouTube. <laughs> We'll certainly check out everything that Rochelle's doing. Guys, I want to say thank you. 241 episodes. We are going to be working on episode number uh, 242, I guess, is the next one in the series, all talking basically all about that very famous thing that we've talked about here many times, that whole tech integration plan. Last year, uh, Sue and I did a number of shows on this topic we're going to do the whole thing in one show for next week and we're going to be continuing to do a show on each of the chapters in the upcoming book and i'm looking forward to that if you'd like to be a contributor to the book please let me know you can of course find me on twitter at ask the tech coach and if you'd like to help out and maybe uh you know proof it look at it get an advanced copy i would love to work with you guys currently we're looking for editors and people who just want to check it out and let me know how well we're doing with this so lots of great stuff head on over to askthetechcoach.com head on over to ask the tech coach on twitter and of course lots of great stuff coming out over the teacher cast educational network guys thank you so much thank you to rochelle and thank you to everybody here in the teacher cast educational network my name is jeff bradbury reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students 
You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at Ask the Tech Coach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.